Welcome back to the COS Business Podcast. We're sitting here with Gilbert Smith, owner of Vement, not Vement. I'm the owner of Vement. <laughs> <laughs> owner of Victory MMA, uh, a fellow of V Letter Word. This is your second time on the show. Yeah. Uh, you came on when we were kind of in the beginning of, of the show. I mean, you could consider this the beginning still. I mean, everything's pretty. Still, still feels pretty pretty early, even though we've been doing it for three years. But within like the first, you were like within within the first fifty episodes. No, maybe I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think it was pretty early. But um, I would have to say you guys definitely upgraded. I, I love the scenery. Um, you, you got more people helping out now. Yes, yes. So it's uh, uh congratulations, brother. Yeah, thank Congrats. you. I appreciate that. You yeah. know, and you know the show's growing, and and we're excited to have you on and and talk about your growth and, yeah. and with your company and and how how is that. Like, since the last time you came in, what would you think is the biggest difference? Oh, man, uh, a couple of things. Uh, for one, um, I, I mean, honestly, it, it's it's the same constant grind, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you're running a business, you feel like you have, you take a couple steps forward and a couple of things happen. You take a couple steps backwards and you got to keep running in this vicious cycle. But um, I don't think a lot has changed in the grand scheme of it, you know, because fighting is fighting. People are training. I got new members coming. Some people leave, especially being in a military town. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like um, myself personally, you know, now that my son is fighting, mm-hmm. that's something totally different than before. Uh, I'm, I'm a father again. You know, that's something totally different than before. And um, and I think I'm settling deeper and deeper into retirement as um, as no longer fighting and more focusing on, on coaching. And I think before I was probably thinking, maybe I could get one or two more fights. And now it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna fight, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, uh, same thing, just a different day. Completely, like no, no more fighting, you're done. Yeah, yeah, Um, uh, as, as far as MMA, I'm, a, I'm one of those guys that like, I will only fight if there's like a purpose. I don't, I don't wanna fight for money, mm-hmm. and I also don't wanna fight for ego. Meaning that, mm-hmm. I guess all of it's kind of ego, so let me take that back. Meaning that if I was fighting and I was going to win and have a chance to fight back in the UFC and fight with the best fighters in the world, then I would do it. What I don't want to do is fight and fight in these local regional shows, fight a bunch of tough guys, mm-hmm. not make any real money, and is doing it just because I want to like take punches to the face, which is stupid of me. The thing is this. I'm 41. Mm-hmm. The UFC is not going to sign a 41-year-old old fighter. It's not going to happen. Sure. No matter who I beat or how many wins I, mm-hmm. I have. And this reading show is not going to pay a lot of money. So so what will happen is that I will fight a really tough kid, making a come up. Mm-hmm. If he beats me, he makes it. Mm-hmm. If I beat him, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. right? So I, I'm not going to do that. And it would take away from my gym and from the students and the people I'm trying to help uh, bring up. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can focus on bringing them up, you know, yeah. and and that's probably just as fulfilling as, as bringing yourself up. Yeah, it, it, it definitely had its moments where I had to um, settle down into that because mm-hmm. I'm used to being the guy, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I'm used to being the person that they get his hand raised, the person that, you know, you know, they get the admiration, and I'm used to being the fighter, n- not the person in the backdrop, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, I'm, I remember a fight, and... um. It was one of like uh, it, it was a big time. Uh, as I, let me say it right, it, it was a big fight. I had two guys fighting. Uh, both guys won. It was a guy named Dylan and a guy named uh, Zarek, and they both won. And I remember being so happy for them, but but sad for myself. Mm. And it was one of those self-absorbed, self-centered situations where I was like, you know, you know, because it was they, they, everybody was running, taking pictures with them. They were so happy, and I'm like, man, I missed that. I I, I missed that. That, that limelight, you know, you mm-hmm. work so hard and you accomplish your goal and, and people see it and they, and they want to give you praise and and, and and I miss that. And then um, I had a friend tell me, I was like, you know, he said, you didn't fight tonight yet, technically, mm-hmm. but you did. Mm-hmm. In fact, you got two wins instead of just one win if you would have fight tonight. Because as a coach, I had two guys fighting. They both won. So that's two wins in my pocket instead of just one win if I would have fought. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and I had to switch my mindset and realize, like, that's what it's all about. For sure. So now I go out there and I'm actually living through guys, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'd like to take a quick break to thank our sponsor, Planet Duck. Let me tell you what. These guys, they've got some powerful equipment. Their fleet of air duct cleaning trucks are equipped with some of the most powerful vacuums you've ever seen. I mean, these whole trucks, the entire truck, 
is one giant vacuum itself. With their expertise and equipment, they not only get the job done, they get the job done right to maximum efficiency. And you don't wanna be breathing in nasty air from having dirty air ducts or having inefficient airflow. So get your ducts clean with Planet Duct right now. Visit planetduct.com. If you're from Colorado Springs, then you've probably seen our next sponsor driving up and down Academy or at any of their other three locations here in Colorado Springs and in Pueblo. El Super Taco has authentic Mexican food with locally sourced and fresh veggies and meat that is chopped daily. Be sure to check them out next time you're hungry and mention the podcast too. I mean, we don't got a code for you, but definitely mention it. Power Tool Safe has a vision to help fight against theft. They've developed technology to help you keep proper records and are building a community of awareness around stolen goods. Sign up today for a free account and register up to $10,000 in tools and equipment. No credit card required. It's as easy as setting up a Facebook account. Imagine having a team of marketing professionals working for your business, making sure that you get the awareness and sales that you deserve. Well, that's exactly what you get with Recon Marketing. With up to 35 plus years in experience and 10 million plus in managed budgets, they know exactly what it takes to put you on the radar. And our final sponsor is my company, Veeamant Visuals. We produce videos with passion and strong meat. Our goal is to innovate and push the boundaries of what's possible when it comes to creating powerful visuals that drive results, whether that be in business or in life. We have the production power to produce any kind of visuals you want, from documentaries to YouTube videos to social media content, commercials that are designed for television, 3D animations, and so much more. That's good. So let's rewind it back just so some of our viewers might not know you, Gilbert. Tell us a little bit about like your background story, what got you into MMA, and then a little bit about your career because I've, I've, I'm a big fan of the UFC. I followed your career, but yeah. a lot of folks watching, they might not know. Yeah. You know. yeah um, obviously, my name is Gilbert Smith. Most people know me because I was in the Ultimate Fighter season season 17 and season 25 uh, with John Jones and Chell Sonnen. I was on John Jones' team and I and with uh, TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt. I was on TJ Dillashaw team. That, that was season 25. Uh, Ford and Bellator. I, I was the RFA welterweight champion. Um, a little bit about my accomplishments aside of that, I'm a second degree Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. Uh, I'm a Thai boxing crew under Master Tori. I got a master's degree. I, let me say, I got a bachelor's degree in exercise science. I got two master's degrees. I got my master's in business. I got a master's in project management. I've, I've owned Victory MMA since 2009. Uh, and prior army, you know, that's where it starts, right? I wrestled in high school. I had an opportunity to wrestle in college for one season. Um, but a lot of it started in the army just with discipline and, and learning how to uh, attack my goals. Mm. And because uh, I joined the army when I was 17 years old, right? So I was so young that my mother had to sign me in. Yeah, yeah. So I became a man in the army and I learned discipline and, and how to like, uh, how to have test of fortitude and deal with adversity. And then from there, um, I was stationed all over. I met a lot of great people, a lot of uh with the army combatives and things like that. And that always kind of sparked that interest being that I used to wrestle. But then it really started when I started doing capoeira, which is like, which is like a Brazilian martial art, a little like break dancing and fighting at the mm -hmm. same time. Um, and I've been around a few Brazilians because of that and that mm -hmm. got me into jujitsu, which kind of spoke to me because I wrestled. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then from there I got stationed on Camp Victory. Well, let me say right, I got out the army and I, I got deployed as a, as a civilian to Camp Victory in Baghdad, Iraq. I was there for three years, and for three years I was making a lot of money, saving up, but I was also training with a bunch of different people uh, from all different levels, all different martial arts, from Thai boxing, from jiu-jitsu, wrestling, sambo, everything. And um, and that really kind of like sparked my idea. Like I wanted to do two things from there. I wanted to have my own gym, and I wanted to uh, fight and compete. Now, as I was working there, I was in um, uh, I was in the IT world. I did secure comms. I had a top secret clearance. I was working behind a computer. I made sure that the joint, joint chief of staff was able to communicate on a top secret level, which sucked. I hated it, right? Because it was like, I felt like a nerd. I wasn't doing anything. I was like, what do I want to do? I was like, you know what? I want to train. I want to fight. So open up a gym. And I just focus all my efforts into that. Mm -hmm. Long story short, I know it's a long story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you had a kid during all that too, right? No, 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 okay, no, 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 no. no, no. Um, uh, I, uh, I had a kid way before that. 
Before that, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah before that. <laughs> um, uh, matter of fact, I had kids before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I have three, I have four kids now, uh, because I just had a baby on Thanksgiving this past Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I went to Iraq, um, which uh, after I got out the army and I went to Iraq for for civilian contracting, it was two thousand six. So Elijah was born two thousand two. He's my youngest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was about four years old, and and his his sisters is six and five years older than him. So they mm-hmm. was like ten and nine or something like that. Oh dang, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was in Iraq, and I was married with three kids. So every like six months, I was able to come home for like thirty days, and I did it for three years. It was tough in the family, for sure. But we made a lot of money, and we was able to like take our family to another level as far as like income and mm-hmm. and how we lived. Yeah, that helped you get Victory MMA then too, like the savings that you guys, you said a civilian contractor overseas, correct? Right, right. So I used that money to, uh, one, I used that money to travel, right? So I went to Brazil, training training jiu-jitsu. That's awesome. I went to Thailand, training kickboxing. I went to Amsterdam, trained with the Dutch uh, with, with the Dutch fighters. I went to all over uh, the state, trained in Vegas, Miami, California, New York. Um, I met so many fighters, so many coaches. And uh, so that money gave me the opportunity to get experience and to, and to learn. And so two things happened for that. One, uh, Camp Victory. I love the name Victory. It just made sense to me. I was in Camp Victory for three years. So when I thought about a name for a gym, I was like, huh, Victory. Mm-hmm. And then when you compete, you want what? A victory, mm-hmm. right? So I, I went with that. And uh, and two, like I said, it, it, they gave me the money and the resources to like start and open up a gym. Yeah, talk about. I mean, so it's been kind of full circle with you. You have yeah. a son who's who's just got his pro card, right? Not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. He he made his pro debut in September. Uh, he beat that he beat he beat that guy in the second round, and then he had his second fight in December. We now looking to have his third fight March twenty fourth. Golly. Yeah, yeah. How's that be, how's that been? You know, like you're talking about in the beginning of this episode about like kind of transitioning from like the fighter to the coach and mm. I mean, especially like being the coach of your own son. I'm I'm assuming that's got some mixed feelings in there, huh? It it it, it definitely does. I mean, I get super nervous for all my guys that fight. Like all the, all these guys, I love them so much. Like when they go out there and they compete, I feel every blow. Like and it's like if they lose, I feel like I lost, you know what I'm saying? If mm-hmm. they win, I feel like I win obviously. So it's so much invested in, into these guys. Um, cool, because we don't just like train. We like a family. At Victor MMA, we are family. You know, it's so. And in fact, I tell these guys, I spend more time with them than I actually do with my family. You know, before my son started fighting, like I was spending more time with with my fighters, like Dylan and Z and a whole bunch of other guys, um, than actually being home. So, uh, uh, but yes. Having my son fight, it is another level, because he represents me in a deeper level. Like mm-hmm. he's my blood, he has my last name. He like at, at the end of the day, I had fighters come and go. Some fighters stay with me, and they stay as long as they can. Life happens. Maybe they got to move. Maybe they got to leave. Maybe they quit. Maybe they don't like it. Well, I don't know. Whatever. But, but my son will always be my son. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's always going to be there. So this way uh, a little bit more pressure on me to make sure that he's very well prepared. And uh, and sometimes it's tough to even see your son take a punch. You know what I'm saying? Like like yeah. it's still your son. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it, it's it's a lot. Do you think it's more nerve? So what would you think? Are you more nervous you going in or versus like your son going in or your fighters going in? Like what what are the nerves? What's the difference between the nerves of being in the octagon versus someone that you you're coaching going in there? Yeah, I mean, all of it, all of it makes you nervous, right? But definitely having. Um, having my guys fight, and it's so cliche because every coach says this, and, I, and, it's, and it's so true though. Uh, it's definitely way more nervous when you have when your guys fight than you fight because, and in all in all reality, you learn one thing as a coach: when it's time to go, you have no power. Mm-hmm. Like I coach you, I come up with strategies, we 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 train all day long, but on fight night, like I, I'm I'm in a backdrop. There's nothing I can do. So I'm just sitting there screaming my head off and hopefully you would do some of the things we worked on and you would figure it out and win. So it's super nerve-wracking and you have no power. Uh, on the flip side, if you're fighting, in your mind you're like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm he does this to me, I'm going to do this. You could come out with a game plan and actually make it happen. You have the powers in your hands. Mm-hmm. So, yes, as a coach, it's way more nerve-wracking because you feel kind of powerless at times. Yeah, most definitely. So you have a lot of fighters you've, like, 
legendary fighters that you've like met and talked I, I saw on your social media didn't you like run into like justin gaethje or do who'd you run into yeah yeah yeah, yeah. justin gaethje I've, I've, i ran into him um multiple times uh great guy he's always you know you know justin gaethje is one of those guys that you you meet and like and, and i would think he doesn't know me you know i would think like i'm not, I'm, a, I'm a nobody he'd be like, hey what's up gilbert i'm like huh what up, man? <laughs> like, like you, you always like, like super cool and and responsive. Like, uh, I, I like Justin Gaethje a lot. Yeah, he went to UNC too, so he's up there. He was up there in Greeley, right? Right, 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 right. I mean, he was the first um, All American, uh, and you know, he trains in Denver, so you know, Colorado. Although he's from Arizona, but Colorado's like his home. That's true. So, what brought you to like Colorado Springs? I don't know if we have learned that part of your story yet. Yeah, yeah, all me. Yeah. You know, um, like I said, I joined the Army when I was 17 years old. Um, you know, I was so young that my mother had to sign me in. And uh, and my, my duty station is, is actually a pretty, pretty crazy story when it comes to that. Because, uh, you know, when I was in Fort Gordon, uh, Georgia, and I was doing AIT, which is our, like, our school to get your job in the Army. And, like, I had a class of about 30 people, something like that. And, like, uh, and we all graduate. Everybody lined up. I, I have privates. Here's your orders. Here's where you're going for your first first duty station. Germany, 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 Germany. For Brack, for Brack, for Brack. Germany, Germany, Germany. For Brack, for Brack. For Carson. Germany, Germany, <laughs> Germany. For Brack, for Brack. And I was a full Carson kid. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the, what, what, wait. All my boys, everybody I know is going to Germany or for Brack. Why am I the only one going to full Carson? And I knew nothing about Colorado besides mm-hmm. the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't want to go to Colorado. It's corny out there. It's like there's nothing out there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and everybody kept telling me, I'm like, you got to Colorado, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. And um and yeah, and and uh, I came out and I loved it. Uh, the army is like it's it's it really changed my life. And uh, I I have to tell you a story, um uh, about th- this guy that I met at McDonald's. Like so when I joined the army, I was in high school. It was my senior year. I had nothing going on. I failed most of my sophomore year. I had like straight Fs. I had to go to night school, Saturday school, oh. early morning school just to make up for all the classes that I failed during my sophomore year because I was running the streets. I was into some things, blase, blase. But anyway, I remember um, I was like, well, what am I going to do? I was working at McDonald's and I needed something. So the Army recruiter came to me and he said, hey, I could give you something in the future. I was like, cool. I, w- I went to the MEPS. I took the test. Went to the MEPS, I got my MOS. MOS was 19 Delta, a cavalry scout. Now, I was really excited about that because the way they explained it to me, a cavalry scout was like a little ninja. You go out there, you, you get the information, you bring it back home, you're good to go. Plus, they was gonna give me an $8,000 cash bonus. A little kid from the hood, $8,000 is like, you rich. Mm-hmm. So I was excited. Anyway, I was I was working at McDonald's. <laughs> and um, this army guy came into McDonald's. And I was so excited to talk to him. I was like, yo, I'm about to join the army. And like, I'm so, I'm so happy. And like, I mean, the, the guy was just coming to order like a number one, mm-hmm. right? A Big Mac or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he, he asked me, he said, all right, yo, as what? What's your MOS? I said, man, I was so excited. I said, 19 Delta, I'll be a Calvary Scout. He pulled me to the side and he said, listen, bro, you do not want to be a Calvary Scout. You don't want to do that. You'll be on the front lines. If, if any conflict start, you'd be the first one getting shot at. You'd be the guy walking between tanks, you know? And like, like you will be like in the front lines. I was like, man, that's not the way they explained it to me, man. Yeah. So then, oh my God. So, so, so then I, went, I went back to recruiter and I said, listen, I don't care what you do, but I'm not going in as a 19 Delta. He's like, well, you already swore in. But the guy from McDonald's told me, he said, don't care about you swearing in, you do not, you, you can change it. Mm-hmm. So I said, change it recruiter so anyway he talked to his sergeant major or whoever he talked to and and he got a change and i picked up mos 35 november now here's the kicker obviously this happened in 1999 before the war happened for 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 uh 9 happened mm-hmm. now we at war after i was getting out i was getting out in 2005 i was stationed at the third acr in fort carson i was there for six months coming back from korea and iraq I was there for six months, and six months I went to seven different memorial services. And uh, each memorial service had about seven soldiers that died. Six or seven. Every one of those soldiers was a 19 Delta. Mm. Every one. Now, this story is like always something like, like, like it hits me hard because 
that guy in McDonald's that I don't remember his name, I don't remember his face, saved my life. Mm -hmm. If he did not give me the information that I needed to like change, I would have came in as a 19 Delta, 9-11 would have happened, we'd have went to war, and sure as shit, I would have been one of those guys that would have got killed. So, I mean, one of the things that I take away from that because I could never give him back um, the thank you mm-hmm. is to make sure that like I help the next person. If I have some advice or something I could give to someone, I give it to them because you never know what you can say, how, how, could, how that could affect someone because that man saved my life. Have you not talked to him since? I, I don't know who he was. You, know, yeah, you, you, you never you, exchanged you, contact information no, or anything, No, no. Right? It was yeah. just a random guy. That's crazy. Just random Tuesday afternoon. I was a senior in high school. It's probably nine, nine, like somewhere in the spring of 1999. Just walked in, just gave me some information and walked out. Which McDonald's? Let's see if we can find him. No, no, no. <laughs> this was also, because I finished my, my, my senior year in Maryland, right? So this was in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't even remember his face. Oh dang! <laughs> you know it's it's so weird. Like I mean, come on. Like like I don't know if you ever worked a job and like like uh, you worked in like some like a uh, um, fast food and people mm-hmm. come in all day long. Oh yeah. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have a little quick little conversation. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it seemed like it was a long conversation, but it was relatively quick because I was actually working. Mm-hmm. I was you know, I, I had to serve people. I had to take orders and take money. But I just remember he just pulled me to the side. He wrote up some MOSs. He said, hey, man, take these MOSs, maybe medical field, maybe intel, maybe this. This is what you ask for. And he said, make sure get out of get out, get out out of being a 19 Delta. And I was like, man, thank you. And he left. Wow, that's crazy, man. Right. Right, and like, like I said, I think about it like because I really wish I could thank him, mm-hmm. and I can't. Well, so, hopefully one day, Maybe yeah. we'll see. Well, I, mean, I mean, it, it, <laughs> most, I mean, mo- most likely not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's like I, it's not because yeah. I could not recognize him, and I'm pretty sure he couldn't recognize me. Mm-hmm. He just saw a, a young kid at McDonald's. He just gave a little bit of information. He honestly, it's one of those things. Like, I, like one of those things. He probably, I mean, I mean, he could be dead by now. Who knows? Sure. But like. Uh, but it's one of those things like he was just going home you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. he's, he was getting off work he's army uniform going home to his family or something he just wanted a Big Mac and a large fries and a <laughs> Diet Coke yeah, two yeah. apple pies and a Frosty or something I don't know so you remember his order no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's crazy crazy yeah. that's gnarly man well yeah. for one thing like you just telling us your career and everything that you've done in your career like you're talking about MMA you're talking about owning a business you're talking about being in the like those are some of the hardest things you can possibly do with your life has there always been something in you that you've always wanted to like get into something that really pushes you because you could have gone out of the army and gotten off his job and like just been fine yeah. what, what's the what's the push there well I mean for me I'm a type of person like I always like to strive to challenge myself like you know the reason why I even got into fight yeah the glamour and all those things like that but at the end of the day fighting something about fighting is special I think fighting is the most special sport because like, uh, because when you think about it, there's no, for one, it's not a team sport. So, so that in itself is special, right? Because you're only you and yourself that's going to go out there and compete against another human being, mm-hmm. right? And when it comes to fighting, there's no special gear, right? I don't got a good basketball or good baseball bat. I, I can't get fancy shoes. Like, it's nothing. The only thing I can use is the gift that God gave me. And I have to figure out, can I best you today? Are you, are, am, I, am I better than you? Can I perform better than you? And it's directly one-on-one. It, you know, some sports, some sports that's like one-on-one, but it's like not really head-to-head. Like, when it comes to fighting, you have to stop me. Oh, I have to stop you. It's not like, um, what's another one-on-one sport? Um, like golf can kind of be a one-on-one sport. Yeah, golf, yeah. right, right? But like, golf is about your best score. Mm-hmm. You're going to do your game, boom, 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 and you're going to hit the ball, and other guy's going to hit the ball, and you're like, it's you versus you, really, mm-hmm. right? And then at the end, you'll tally up and say who got the best score. No, no, no. And fight, I'm directly standing right in front of you, and I might have to finish you. I might have to use everything that I can muster, everything that God gave me, everything I trained for, to beat you, to stop you in your tracks. And I, and I, and I might have to do the same thing on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. It's so one-on-one. And there's something special about that. Because at the end of the day, that's where you really learn who you are. I always say every person should get punched in the face at least once. Mm-hmm. You, you really understand what type of person you are. 
Mm-hmm. So what's that saying when Mike Tyson's like everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face? I think yeah. that's Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. He said that because uh, like everybody thinks they know who they are, and, to, and and when I say punched in the face, I I, I kind of mean literally. <laughs> but I also mean kind of figuratively. I mean, I don't want people to get punched in the face. I don't know. Maybe some people do need to get punched I in the face. I think they should. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but, but I will say is when you face such a drastic adversity, mm-hmm. like then you really get to know who you are. Because at that moment, you have to decide what are you going to do? Are you going to fight or are you going to flight? Mm-hmm. You have to make that decision and you got to be ready for it. And I think a lot of people really haven't faced it. See, people think they face like hard times. They think they have. Mm-hmm. My life suck. Man, you don't you don't know what suck is. It's always something worse. Always, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, and when you face these things, you gotta be willing to stand up, not only endure it, because some things you're just gonna have to take the pain. People like wait, people like wondering, why me? Why no, why not you? What's the difference between if it's you or him? Mm-hmm. Totally. You're, why how come this is happening to me because it is it is you got punched in the face let's go mm-hmm. you know pack your stuff up let's go let's work what are you gonna do so many times when it comes to fighters a lot of fighters don't make it not because they're not talented it's because they can't handle pressure they can't handle failure like i i, I probably said this in your podcast is one of my number one sayings the number one secret to success is failure and most people can't handle it. They think like they think that like success is I work hard, I do better. I work hard, I do better. You know, sometimes you can work hard and still fail. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can give it your hundred percent, give it everything you have, have all the resources, and still fail. Okay, but what are you gonna do then? Are you gonna quit? You learn, you learn and grow. You come back. You go ups and valleys, peaks and lows. Let's go, man. Because because at the at the at the end of the day, you got two choices in life, right? You either quit or you continue. You know what I'm saying? And like, cause you started it, mm-hmm. let's go finish it. And no matter how, how it ends, even if it doesn't work out, you could at least say, you gave it your best shot. Mm-hmm. And most people are just not ready for it. You know, you gotta get punched in the face. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's brutal. It's true. And I always say like young men, especially young men, cause they have all this testosterone and they don't really know how to mature their masculinity. It is important for them to go through things like that. Yeah. Especially with other men, especially when they're on other alpha men, you got to understand as a, as a man, how to operate. Yeah. So I, I think, it, and that's why I love MMA gyms and men and women to go to MMA. Cause it's, it's a whole, like you said, when you face adversity, you really do find out who you are. It's, well, it's so true. The best thing about martial arts gyms, you know, um, and I, I love it, man. You come to my gym and you look around, bro. You would think to yourself, man, this is a United Nation. You see Latinos, you see black, you see white, you see Asians, you see Native Americans, you see people mixed or whatever. You see females and males, uh, young and old, you know, skinny and bigger. Um, some people that's way more talented. Some people are just not as coordinated. You know, some people that's new or the vets, the pros, or amateurs. It's a mixing, it's a melting pot of mixture of people, and we are all there to help each other. And you almost never really see that. And it's like, and the thing is, like, we are so like connected because everything we do is so physical. Like I'm feeling like, like you, you ever think about this? How, how as a society, we we don't we don't touch each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We like, like as men to men, especially men to men, like we don't really like, we, we go, what's up going on? We, we t- but like, we don't really hug and embrace each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we don't like, if, if we sat next to each other and my leg touch your leg, what you do? You'll move your leg. Yeah. And then probably be awkward. Yeah. You probably be like, hey, man, come on, man. This elbow room. <laughs> right. But like in MMA and jujitsu and grappling, we physically are all mm-hmm. up in each other's space. Breathing on each other, sweating on each other, bleeding on each other. I know it can sound really weird, and some people who don't understand martial are like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's something serene about it because we are no longer hiding from each other. It's probably some natural, too. Yeah, we no longer hiding from each other. Like, you my brother. We don't sweat it together. We don't bled together. You don't, you don't, you don't put me in painful situations mm-hmm. that I had to work out of. And I, just, and I became stronger. Thank you. Thank you. And I, that's why I think martial arts is so, so beautiful, man. For sure. It brings yeah. people together who aren't 
uh, like siblings because I know with my brother I've had you know altercations and we've we've wrestled before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like, but it, with those my actual brother, though. you're right. Those are sometimes are done out of anger. Yeah, like, yeah so yeah, like yeah, we yeah, doing yeah. it out in, in sound mind and body. Yeah, like we coming to the gym knowing that we're gonna have in a physical entanglement and we're gonna thank each other for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey man, man, you, when you punch me on one time, man, I kind of rock me, man. I appreciate. It. Now I learn to keep my hand up and you work some head movement. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you just made me better. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Pain speeds up the learning curve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about victory. I mean, you've been a business owner for gosh, man, going on 14 years now. Yeah. Talk about some of the tribulations cuz again, <laughs> we're talking adversity. I mean, being a small business owner, mm. we're all small business owners here and sometimes I feel like we kind of feel like we're isolated and we're the only one going through the shit that most small business owners go through, but dude, it's rough. So like, yeah. is there any key takeaways that you have after being, you know, in business for 14 years that you can oh, share with our audience? Man, uh, being a business owner, I, I think of being an entrepreneur, I think it takes a special person, right? Cause some, some people it's not made for everyone. Honestly, sometimes I wake up like, man, I wish I just had a nine to five job. Someone mm. just give me a paycheck on on Friday I and I get that. to go home. <laughs> uh, because it's always it's like it's like raising a baby, right? It's always that sense of fear, like something could go wrong, mm-hmm. and, and it does, mm-hmm. right? Punches in the faces. Yeah, you get punched <laughs> in the face a lot. Um, but you know, a couple of things you'll learn about being a business owner is that um, a, you have to have the right people around you. And at times I did, and sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I had some great people that really helped me, like my brothers, some of my training partners, some of my students, like uh, people like David Lawrence who helped me out in the beginning. Or even some people at the start, there was like brothers, and at the end it just it kind of went off the rails. But um, two, you have to be able to like deal with conflict. And I, I'm not saying I always been the best person. You know, I'm sometimes I, I have my days I'm the flip out. And like and, and like and I have to sit back and like and think what is the best course of action? Because anger a lot of times doesn't solve the problem. Almost all the times. So. Right, right. Right. Minds prevail. That's why they say it. Right, yeah. right. And um, but here's a beautiful thing, because I could tell you twenty things that's pretty negative, right? But I'm gonna tell you some things that's beautiful about being a business owner. And I tell my son this. I show I show my son. I say, listen, man. You know when I get up in the morning, you know what I do what I want to hmm. understand this. I don't, I don't have anyone over my back telling me what I need to do, what I should be doing. It's me. Right. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm my, my worst boss. So like, so I, I, so I don't have a freedom, freedom. I still got bills to pay, but on the same token, I go in my gym in a place that I love to be, to be around people that I love, to do what I love, to teach what I love. It's a beautiful place to be. And even though sometimes it's not always the best, the money could be better. If, like, I got two master's degrees, man. I could go out there and probably make way more money and less stress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but on the same token, I wouldn't be as happy because I'm doing what I love. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's some beautiful things when it comes to being an entrepreneur if you're willing to take the punches to the face, mm-hmm. if you're willing to adore the indoor diversity. And when you are, then you will be successful. Now, the same token, not only though you have to be willing to work, man, because like I, I, I know, I know some business owners, man. People start things and they're like, man, man, I hate doing social media. I hate doing marketing. Ah, uh, I wish I had someone to do this for me and someone to do that for me. You know, why can't I just, like, bro? Then, then go get a job mm-hmm. because this ain't for you. It's a lot of discipline, that's for sure. Right, you got to be truly disciplined. You know what discipline is? Do I? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it is. Let me think. <laughs> On the spot now. <laughs> no, no. Mike Tyson said this one too. Okay. But it, it, it resonates with me, right? Because you can look up the, the defi- definition of discipline, and I really don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But discipline is um, is doing, doing things when you don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> is right? that what you meant to say? I, I was going to say something. Yeah, basically <laughs> that, but I was going to do it. I was going to do it way more romantically. Okay. Profound way. Yeah, yeah. Just missed this moment. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> do what you hate to do, but do it like you love it. Mm. Think about that. Do what you hate to do, but do it like you love it. When I heard Mike Tyson said that, and the way he said it, it almost brought tears to my eyes. Mm-hmm. But was it about that? that it's the passion. Because there's gonna be a lot of things you're gonna do that you hate to do, mm-hmm. but not only that you gotta do it and get it done, you gotta do it to your highest level, 
So you got to do it like you love it. It's like mm-hmm. coming to my gym, boxing class. You got to jump rope. People hate it. I hate jump rope. If I say, guys, we never jump rope a day, I, I, never again, they would love it, right? But but listen, no, you got to jump rope, right? Because you jump rope when, when for a boxer. If you can't jump rope, you can't box. It builds up your legs. It builds up your ankles. You, you, you can stay in the balls of your feet. You're moving. It, it helps with your shoulders, your, 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 your eye, hand, feet, coordination, your speed, your endurance, your heart, your everything. Mm-hmm. So not only you got to jump rope, you got to do it like you love it. Because I see people who grab the jump rope, they jump rope a little bit, and they stop. They jump rope a little bit and they stop. And they mess up and then they jump rope. Here's what we think people do, right? They jump rope and they stop and kind of shadow box a little bit, right? They try to act like they're staying active. No, 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 no. Don't find ways to make it easy. Don't find ways to deviate. That's a sucker way. Mm-hmm. That's a punk way. You're trying to find an easy way out. You got to do what you hate to do, but do it like you love. Jump rope. <laughs> Keep going when it's mm-hmm. burning. Keep going, because when you're done, you just became stronger. The results are a lot better. Right. Okay, and I get it. It sucks. It sucks. But you know what sucks even more? Sick. Getting your butt whipped. <laughs> going out there, getting tired. Not being coordinated. Being flat-footed. Don't have no, uh, not having any footwork. Not achieving business goals because you weren't jump roping, quote-unquote. <laughs> exactly. Use it as a metaphor if you need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Also, I, I hear a lot from you that you have a lot of gratitude, and I think that's a huge piece to why you've been so successful too because I find in myself, like it's almost impo- I think it is impossible to be depressed and grateful at the exact same time. Right. There's something to be said about like being grateful for what you have, the moment, or whatever it might be. It, it like cancels out all the other stuff that might be noise being like, oh, woe was me. I'm the victim, like you were saying before. Yeah, but here's the truth, though. Every, I mean, depression, it's, it's a thing. It's depression is a thing. Um I think in everybody's life, you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna have bouts with depression. And people look at depression. Depression became such a bad word to say. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta understand this difference between between being being depressed and having a clinical depression. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You know. So let's say your girlfriend left you. Let's say you lost your job. Your dog died. You know what I'm saying? You like you, you know things really happened to you, and you're depressed. It's understandable. You should be depressed. That's a natural feeling. You're dealing with some hard things that's going to attack you emotionally. So you're going to have moments of doubt. You're going to have moments of like, you know, like uh, you just want to be alone and you're like, and things are sad. But it shouldn't cripple you. And that's the difference is when you let depression cripple you mm-hmm. and you no longer want to push and go forward. Now, clinical depression is when everything is good and you just depressed, you don't even know why. You got good money, you got good family, mm-hmm. kids doing well, you know, everything's going well and you just can't find yourself being happy. That's when you should go out and seek some, I think yeah. you should always seek some help, but that's when you should go a little bit deeper with it. Mm-hmm. That's, so, that's a sign, that's a flag, that's your body telling you, your mind and body telling you something's wrong. You should use that as an indicator, I think, because I actually just went through like two months of depression mm-hmm. and I was like, I got to change something, something's not right, that there's a reason why I'm feeling this like things are actually going pretty well for me, yeah. pretty decent, you know. Yeah. And so it's like something's not right. So I had I'm I'm just kind of reanalyzing and figuring out what uh, what that was and and wh- why it was happening. I mean, it could be a chemical thing too. Maybe. Well, I mean, like I mean, it's life, right? Because like as as a business owner, as a fighter, as an athlete, as a father, boyfriend, whatever, you know, you have those moments of like, man, these things like. Like it could, things attack you, like in threes, and say one yeah, day, yeah. like yeah, a whole oh, bunch yeah. of stuff is starting hitting you. Like golly, I can't, I can't catch a break. Mm-hmm. But then, like you start thinking to yourself, like for me, and I have to flip my mindset. I'm like, you know what, man? I wish I didn't have to go through those things. But at the end of the day, my life don't suck. Mm-hmm. I'm healthy. You're alive. You know, you know I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm alive. You know, I have the physical, mental capacity to go turn these things around even if for the moment I'm going to be in the mud a little bit it's it's like that. that's when depression is like it's a sense of awareness and it's okay as long as you're willing to like face those things and not like go into that hole and just kind of like pile on bad things you know you can start doing things that that shift it in the opposite direction where you're piling on good things certain things like we've talked on this show before about like keystone habits you start doing one thing and a bunch of other things start cascading around that that you start doing because of that one thing one of those things was running daily for me you know like just actually doing like two miles a day and not just like 
in the, if I didn't, it was, if I wasn't able to push myself to do two miles, I'd at least go out and do the two miles. You know, well, like, I, I tell you, man. Um, when it comes to depression, speaking of it, uh, uh, I think the number one key, the one number one key to depression, and anxiety. You know, the difference is right. Uh, depression is dealing with the past. Anxiety is dealing with the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but either or, um, is uh, uh, being physical. Yeah, you know, working out. I think if you could bottle up being physical and working out and put it in a pill, it'd be the, one of the most successful pills out there. You For know, sure. it would kill big pharma, and you will be a trillionaire instantly, right? And I think, you know, my opinion is gonna be biased, but not only working out, but working out with a purpose. And that's why I like things like martial arts. It's cool to go lift weights. I get it. Everybody wants to get big biceps. You want to look good, and those are the real things. But when you train in martial arts. And you're actually learning a real skill, mm-hmm. a skill that could one day actually help you out, like, like to defend yourself. Also, being competitive with other men or women your size and age, I think there's nothing better that will help uh, um, uh, combat depression and bouts of anxiety. Because I tell you, when I have my moments, I go in the gym and I'm around good guys, and we uh training together we boxing kickboxing jiu-jitsu grappling mma and i leave the gym after a good workout my clothes sweaty and i like either i either i got some good rounds or some bad rounds or whatever i'm like whoo i feel a lot better whatever i was going through would tend to like the intensity die down and i'm like okay i could i could face this thing you just gave me an aha moment with what you were saying there yeah um i i hate exercising yeah. Uh, but if I was exercising to get better at a skill like martial arts, that that would make me like exercising. <laughs> That's what make my gym, you know, uh, great, man. I had, had a lot of people that are like, man, I, I don't want to go to the gym and lift weights. I get it. I was a meathead years ago when I was in the army. But but one thing about being that you realize that um, uh, when it comes to lifting weights, you pick a weight up, you put it down. Yeah, yeah, it's boring to me. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and you know, I, I tell you the reason why I got into jujitsu, right? Like, really, I got heavy into it. I started playing around with it from Capoeira, but like, I got into jujitsu because I went to a school in New York. Or, or the, the, the instructor, the professor, was named Marcelo Garcia, one of the best guys in the world. He, funny, uh, weird enough, not weird enough, sad enough. He's actually dealing with cancer right now. So, mm-hmm. much love to uh, Marcelo Garcia, and hopefully, him, him, and his family is doing well. But um, anyway, I went, I went to a school in New York, and um. And I was really big. I was bigger then than what I am now. And I was grappling with a bunch of people in class. And it was time to like open roll. That means you're gonna like grab someone to actually go live. And Marcelo, he said, hey, go with that girl. And I'm like, I don't wanna go with that girl. I wanna go with all the big guys. Now I didn't say that to him. I was thinking in my head, I didn't say, cause I don't, I don't wanna be disrespectful. But I was thinking like, I'm gonna hurt this guy. Like, bro, you don't see these guns? I'm gonna <laughs> hurt this girl. And like, I went with that girl, bro. And she tapped me out in so many different ways. I don't, I man, I don't even know. I was just tapping, let me go. She was choking me out. She was ripping things off. I was like, this girl is good. I got up after that round was done. I went, I went to a locker. I grabbed my bag. I grabbed my credit card. I put it on the counter. I said, sign me up for this. If this little girl, she wasn't a big girl. She probably 120, 130 pounds. Oh, if this little girl could, could, could tap me out, I'm like 200 plus pounds. I need to learn this, mm-hmm. and, and since since then I have never stopped. Do you think the weight actually gave her an advantage? No, it was, I, actually, it, was it, <laughs> it was technique. Yeah. She 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 understood that like with her size she couldn't she couldn't fight me muscle to muscle. Mm-hmm. She used leverage. She saw the mistakes I was making. She saw the places I was putting my hands and things I was leaving out there. She was a brown belt. I didn't, at the time I didn't understand what the, what the belt's color was, mm-hmm. and it was actually his fiance. And uh, <laughs> and I always think that he did it maybe to humble me. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, but uh, but like she understood how to use leverage, mm-hmm. and and she beat me, and like and she taught me more about myself. And on one round, another story how someone randomly changed my life. Yeah, for sure, it's so crazy, man. So what's next now? I mean, you're 14 years your business it yeah. seems to be doing really well. Love the location, by the way, off Academy right there. But what's next for you guys now? Uh, I'm next for, uh, you know, it's keep building these guys up to, you know, I get someone in the UFC and, and get a champion, you know, um, it, it's, it's a constant grind. You know, that, that's the, that's the bad part about the sport is like, you win, you win, you win, you win, you win, you lose, you like, you take like freaking 50 steps backwards. So the pressure to, to be winning is always there. But honestly, uh, as far as that's my 
competitive team. But I think my my future is to leave a legacy. I was talking to my girlfriend about this, and I, I was like, you know, when my time is done on this earth, how will people remember me? That's a big thing for me. That's a serious big thing. Would people remember me? Would I just be a name that people are safe for a little bit? And like, oh man, yeah, that Gilbert was pretty cool. All right, and then they go back to their lives. Or would it, would it re- actually remember? Would I have an impact on the community? You know, how many people's lives can I change? And like, and I want that to be my legacy. I want people to remember that like I loved and I helped and I gave everything that I have to anybody that was willing to like to endure with me. So right now I'm just building my legacy and hopefully that will live on not just for me, but for my sons and for my son's sons and my son's son's sons. So that's my goal. That's beautiful, man. It sounds like your boys looks up to you a lot when we had him on the episode with a would we have him on a, like a couple months ago now? I think it was November now. Golly. Yeah, I, it was December. Yeah, yeah. It was before his second fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he speaks yeah. very highly of you. But one thing I, I did want to bring up too is I've seen on social you've been talking about this no weight class type of deal. <laughs> what's yeah. this? What's this all yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, my idea is to like I don't know if I'll do it, but like it would be cool. It's to start a fight promotion, whereas I it has weight classes, but there's no weight cutting. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. it meaning that you will weigh in Kate's side. So, like, if, if the weight class was, let's say, 155, you will walk to the cage as as a as the referee or whatever is putting Vaseline on your face and checking you out, make sure you don't got nothing in your gloves. Then you will step on a scale and make weight. If you don't make weight, there will, there will be penalties. Right. Which most of it will be monetary penalties that you'll lose money in some form or fashion. And I will make sure that we are no longer doing weight cuts. You will fight at your weight that you walk around at. Not saying you won't lose weight. Cause I like let's say I fight at let's say I walk around at two hundred. I walk around two hundred but I'm kinda of fat. I could I could just train and get in shape and I get down to one ninety. So I fight at one ninety. But the problem is people will walk around at two hundred and they would cut down to one seventy. Yeah, they still do. Yeah, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And they were like, if you ever saw me when I was cutting weight and making one seventy, I was destroying myself. And then like and, and between weigh-ins and fight day, which is 24 hours, by the time I come back in the cage, I'm 190. So we're not fighting on 170. Mm-hmm. We're a 170 pound division, but nobody's weighing 170. I'm weighing like 192. So it's like legalized cheating. Yeah, it's like loopholes that are right. Yeah, yeah. So if we could do away with that, it'd be interesting to see how people d- deal with that. Be healthier for the fighters too. <laughs> yeah, healthier with the fighters. Maybe better fights because people won't be always drained and sucked yeah. out from the weight cut. Yeah. Have you have you seen long term uh, health issues from that from the weight cut days where you had to do it so drastically, especially because I know a lot of it's water weight, right? Yeah. So. so in the sport of MMA, we haven't had a death from the actual sport, like taking punches, but we had have deaths from weight cuts. Mm. We have had fighters, not in the UFC, but other small regional shows, local shows, whatever it gets to me. We have had deaths where people have cut weight and uh and it has destroyed their body so that's the ultimate right uh plus you can also look at it from performance and people have taken way more damage which who knows if it's long-term uh damage because their body was drained and sucked out from the weight cut and we don't know like how, how that's gonna affect 30 years down the road because the sport is so new mm-hmm. you know we could be taking years off our life by killing our kidneys, our liver, mm-hmm. our heart, you know, by, by doing such drastic weight cuts to try to make the lowest weight class possible so you could be the bigger guy, like I say, in some form or fashion, cheating. I did it. Yeah, it, It's dangerous to, you know, put yourself through those, you know, fasting states. It can, yeah. it can be pretty dangerous. Like you said, the, the kidneys, like yeah. it can really yeah. infect that. Yeah, it shuts down. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's not, your body is, is not made to go through those, those, bouts of of um dehydration and bouts of uh starvation and yeah, done yeah. both and then and, and then and then the next time and then the next day to be in a, such a high competitive state yeah and you're stressed the whole way through yeah, probably. yeah. <laughs> Ooh, so man. so yeah um you know uh to have a promotion that i would start i call it true fighting true fighting mma uh, you know, I you know maybe one day I could start that. You know, maybe someone or someone else would take my idea. I don't really care. Um, 
But just know is I came up with it. Actually, my boy Dylan, he kind of mentioned in the group chat, and I kind of ran with it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you're promoting it right yeah, now. Yeah, so there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Now it's he your idea. That. He's like, man, I said it first. I said, yeah, you said it while I was thinking it, but you actually wrote it in the group chat. So yeah, I give him credit for actually of verbalizing it first. That's for awesome, sure. man. Well, this has been great, man. This has been such – thank you so much for coming on yeah. the, the show. Andrew, is there anything else you have for Gilbert before we close No, up? I think we, we can start wrapping up. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, people know where – People can find out where to find you. You're, yeah, yeah. You're pretty active on social media. Well, yeah. Too. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I could tell them. I mean, just look at uh, on Instagram at uh, uh, respectfully Gil, um, or um, or my team Victory MMA uh, CS for Colorado Springs. Uh, also on YouTube, um, I finally got my page. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, Congratulations. Well, right. It. it <laughs> It's such a big thing, but not. I feel yeah. it. I, I get it, though. Right, because I finally got my page monetized. Mm -hmm. Got a, over 1,000 subscribers. I got, I'm at like 1,800. And and we had to hit 4,000 watch hours. Yep. So I, I smashed Within that. Within 30 days. Yeah, no, like within, days, oh, like within a year. Within a year, okay. Within a year. Nice. But you got to maintain that. Yeah, The yeah. problem is I monetized, got everything going, uh, putting videos up. Yeah. And since it happened probably the last 30 days, I made a whopping. Two, two cents. Fifteen dollars. Oh, fifteen dollars. <laughs> okay, yeah, nice. for, for YouTube. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I need to go viral somehow, yeah, yeah, some yeah. way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and get get a, a a million views or something like that. Uh, but you know, it's cool. It was it was a goal, and I accomplished it. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. But but yeah, so that way you're set up though. When you do have something that goes viral, you can actually get paid for it because it would yeah. suck if you have something that goes viral before you're monetized. Right. You lose all that money. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. And I've I've I've, I've, I've had a couple of videos. That did go viral okay. on YouTube and right, and I, I didn't have mm -hmm. it, so I wasn't able to make good money on it. But that's it's a process, you know. It's a build-up yeah. thing. You you probably know it just as well. Of like, with YouTube, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. <laughs> it sure does. I, you know, and, and the thing is, like, you know, and it's kind of fun, man. I just post videos. I try to post some educational videos about MMA. And I post things I like and. And then people like it fine. I don't stress myself out about it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, come on, man. If we like, I tell people watch my stuff. If they do, great. Sure. If they don't, let life moves on. It's not your goal in life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, but you know, fifteen dollars. I could, I could go to. Yeah. Go back to McDonald's again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Start with McDonald's, yeah. end with McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, all right, man. This has been great, and uh, yeah, we'll close it out. This has been the COS Business Podcast, and we'll see you guys on the next one.